Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Welcome to room 4216. In our time together today, we will look at the Thanksgiving holiday as well as the what and how we as Christians give thanks. The first Thanksgiving that we know was in 1621. At this autumn harvest feast, as it was then called, there were the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoag Indians. Pretty much the Indians were giving the feast for the pilgrims because they struggled after arriving and had very little food. And yet the Indians, the natives there, wanted to have their newcomers feel welcome. The content of the menu was kind of disputed, though we think it included lobsters, seals, swans, not really a menu you think of today, but yet it is such because that was the food available and there were no ovens to cook in. The settlers and the Indians had to uh, rummage and uh, uh, forest the, the area for their food. In 1623, just two years later, the pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving meal. This one marked the end of a long drought, and so the harvest was a celebration, and Governor Bradford at this harvest declared, Inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest, and has made the forest abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and has spared us from pestilence and disease, and has granted us freedom to worship God, according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim all ye pilgrims, render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings. During the American Revolution, the uh, Continental Congress chose one or more day a year for a Thanksgiving celebration, though nothing still was permanent. In 1817, New York State and several others declared a Thanksgiving day, but each day seemed to do it on a different day, and the southern states were largely unfamiliar with this tradition. In 1827, Sarah Hale, the writer of Mary Had a Little Lamb, started a campaign to declare Thanksgiving as a national holiday. For 36 years, she sent letters to presidents, 
governors and senators to help realize this dream. Finally, in, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln uh, acknowledged her request and declared Thanksgiving a national holiday on the fourth Saturday of November. In 1939, Franklin Roosevelt moved the holiday to the third Thursday in November to help <laughs> uh, increase retail sales for Christmas during the Depression. But in 1941, he moved it back, signed the bill, and it was moved to the fourth Thursday of November, where it has been ever since. Traditionally, Thanksgiving has been known as a big meal with turkey, potatoes, stuffings, pie, and cranberry sauce. In addition, there are parades held in many cities, most popular being the Macy's Parade in New York City. The holiday Thanksgiving certainly started with very good intentions, thanking God for his blessings. We've seen, though, in the past decades, maybe even century, at least at certain times, that it has moved more to a secular holiday, just to give thanks. To be thankful, or to say I'm thankful, just to be able to say I'm thankful, is... Like saying, boy, am I lucky. But to give thanks to God, the Creator, that's to say and acknowledge to Him and to ourselves that He is the Creator, the giver of all good things, and we are the undeserving recipients of those gifts. So with that in mind... Let's take a little more look at this holiday of Thanksgiving, especially as we are here in room 4216. from Deuteronomy chapter 8 beginning at verse 1 
Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and you may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years and humbled you to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack for nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now thank we all of God with heart and hands and voices who wondereth things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today Often, in churches, the Old Testament reading is the Deuteronomy reading we just heard. It is just prior to the people entering the promised land and gives good aid, counsel, and advice, not only to them, but to you and me too. In this reading, God said, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness. Those weren't all good times. No food, then some manna from heaven. No water, but then God miraculously provided water from a rock. Venomous snakes, but then the bronze snake and the promise of continuing life and life everlasting. Verse 5 goes on to say, Then know in your hearts 
they were to remember the Lord in their heart. Whether the same old manna, or as they got in the new land, milk and honey. They were to remember the Lord in their heart, whether a hot, dusty walk, or walking in green pastures. They were to remember the Lord in their hearts, whether in combat with their enemies, or peace with their friends. And so, you and I, we too, can remember the Lord in our hearts. As Paul says, For I have learned to be content, no matter what the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul spoke also in this uh, section of Philippians 4 that we should, by prayer and petition, let our requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. Not just on Thanksgiving Day, but every day, to give thanks. And so, we remember our God. Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take these snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. 
So, what is the opposite of thankfulness? Now, many might say, well, love, unthankfulness. And what is unthankfulness? I believe it's complaining, grumbling, and speaking back. The Israelites did just that, and many of them died. When you are complaining, you're calling into question God's care, his character, and his competence. He doesn't know anything about running the world, of course. You're basically saying, God, you blew it. You had a chance to fulfill all my demands, and you messed it up. It's kind of a different way of thinking about it. Living with problems isn't easy. No one says it is. But when you complain, when you think that you could run things better than God, you let go of the very grace that can get you through those problems. You let go of God. Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming It's easy to say, give thanks, but there are many times it is really hard to give thanks. And are we to give thanks to God for bad things, difficult things, problems and ills? Paul, in the New Testament, was one who did direct us to give thanks. And do remember, Paul, when he wrote words such as this that we'll hear in just a moment, uh, wasn't writing in a nice comfortable castle after a nice big full meal, but actually when he wrote to the Philippian church, he was in prison. And those to whom he wrote these words, they were really just a small little church in Philippi under the sway of the of the uh, government of the Roman Empire in that uh, community, and they were like just a little dust ball under the couch of many religions. They weren't even, you'd almost say that at that point in time, wasn't even sure if this church would survive. And to them, they heard these words of Paul the first time, which have been spoken many times, and now are shared with you and me. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 20. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It was a long reading, so I just wanted to touch on, on actually three key points that, that Paul made. How did it start, Cecilia? Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. And how does he say we shouldn't be? But in everything, mm-hmm. by prayer and petition, mm-hmm. with thanksgiving. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So we pray, pray, pray with thanksgiving. Second thing was uh, that he has learned to be content no matter what his circumstances. And he says he knows what it's like to have plenty or to be in want, lots or little. And then verse 19, because this is really the key of how he's learned contentment. And my God will meet all your needs. And that's why we pray with thanksgiving. We direct our focus to God, knowing that He will meet our needs.
As a Christian, we can and do give thanks. Thanks to God. Our thanksgiving is not dependent on fair skies or good times. No. No, our thanksgiving to God is because of God. The God who promises promises to hear our prayers and supplications. The God who promises to deliver us from times of trouble. Even as he did the Israelites from all those venomous snakes. Even as he did when he lifted his son up on the cross. The God who promises to supply all our needs. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray. And don't just pray. Pray with thanksgiving. And so we thank God for you. Thank you for joining us today. For we We are are not alone. I will lead you who are blind by the ways you have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide you. I will turn the darkness into light before you and make the rough places smooth. (laughs) These are the things I will do. I will not forsake you. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits. Kate Higgins, Now Thank We All Our God, Don Moen, Give Thanks, Craig Duncan, We Gather Together, Chris Rice, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and Robert Vaughn, our intro and ending musician. <laughs>